Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at anything. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks, Richard. Well, we had a bunch of these left over, so I figured we might use them today for something. Welcome. It's great to see you. We're in our second week. We're talking about life before we jump right into John chapter 3, which is a phenomenal chapter. Just two things, real quick. Uh, we often hear, well, what is Grace Community Church all about? Um, where are you going? What are you trying to do? What does it mean to be a church where people don't go to church? I want to offer you two things. First thing, it happens one time a year. We have this annual meeting. This year, it's happening on January 27th. It's in your blue bulletin. Not here, church office. We have a little sanctuary up there, which the day after... So January 28th, the day after, we're just ripping that thing all apart. So if you want to see what it looks like, it's your last chance. Six o'clock, Sunday night, January 27th, we'll talk about what grace is all about, what we're doing, where we're going, why we're doing that. If you want to know what a church people go to church is, next step. We do something called next step. We haven't one today. Sold out, we're booked, lunch is all sold out for it, but we have one coming up in March, and we'll tell you exactly what it means when we say we're a church people don't go to church. So you can... Um, you can stop by the welcome table on your way out for next step. And if you want to go to the annual meeting, just everybody's free to show up. We have no membership here, by the way. People, we have a membership. I'd be a member to go. There's no membership here. You just show up. So you're free. There we go. John chapter 3. Phenomenal chapter. Absolutely. I have said this already. If you want to know about life, you're like, man, I'm tired of just living. I mean, tired of just existing. I really want to live. I really just want to live. What is it? There's got to be more to this life. And Jesus says he's going to give me abundant life. How do I experience? Well, the book of John, the gospel of John, is the book to turn to in the entire Bible on this issue of life. But within the book of John, if you want to turn to one chapter where it like all really gets launched, John chapter 3 is the chapter. 
The one that we just read, where it says, you must be born again. And there's some really, I mean, come on. You've got to be amused at some of the stuff going on there. Nicodemus doesn't quite get it. And he says, just, I don't know. What does this mean? I've got to go back in my mother's womb. It's kind of a funny moment. It's like, brace yourself, mother. Here I come. You know, you know what I'm saying? So what is happening here? What's, this can be, this is so, so what we're going to talk about today is very simple, but very, very difficult to grasp. Because it is so ingrained. What we're going to talk about today, the exact opposite is ingrained in us as human beings, our nature. When it says you must be born again, it says you need a new nature. You need a whole new nature. You need to start all over again. Well, it is so in our nature to believe exactly the opposite of what Jesus teaches us here about how to really have life, how to really live, that even though it's simple, it's very difficult to grasp. So we're going to take our time today. I want to say just two things. I said this the first service as well. Take our time today. I might not finish this message today. We'll just finish it up next week. Second thing I want to tell you is this. There might be some stuff I say today that you find either peculiar, strange, or even offensive. But if you hang with this, what we want you to do, if, if you get mad, that's okay. We want to make sure you get mad about the right things. So you have to hear the whole story out to get mad about the right things. Does that make sense? Sometimes we hear something, oh, man, how could he say that? Okay, hang with it. Wait till the entire thought is concluded, till the entire sermon is concluded, which might not be till next week, and then get mad. Then it's okay. All right? Here we go. This tells us how to be born again. John 3, 16, maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall receive eternal life. There's three things I want to tell you about that. We're going to talk about, I'm going to mention two of them, and then we're going to really talk about one of them. The first one is this. See where it says, for God loved, so loved the whole world? You meet somebody today, and they say, I believe in a God of love. I don't believe in a God of anger and wrath. And you can say to them, you can thank Jesus Christ for that. And they'll say, maybe they'll say, I don't believe in Jesus. And you say, it really doesn't matter. You can thank Jesus Christ for that. You know why? Because the world, until Jesus Christ said those words, it was a foreign concept to even think that there would be a God of love. If you would say there's a God of wrath, if there's a God of anger, there's a God of fury, a God of justice, a God of vengeance, the world would say yes. It's a very brutal place to live. But when Jesus Christ came along and said, God so loved the world, they were like, what are you talking about? God doesn't love. God is filled with fury. I mean, all the gods we know about from all the religions, they're fighting against each other and they're making our life difficult. We're climbing and crawling our way to them. This didn't make sense. You know somebody who says, I believe in a God of love? Just say, well, you can thank Jesus Christ for that because he changed the entire world when he said that. Nobody had a concept. It was completely foreign. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Religion is humanity's pursuit of God. That's what religion is. Whatever religion it might be, that's humanity's pursuit of God. And yet we're told here that God gave, God sent, God sent us, God came after us, God pursued us. What I want to suggest today all day long, all day long here is Christianity is the exact opposite of religion. The exact, complete, exact, total opposite of religion. Religion, in, in, in Jesus' opinion, is completely dead, useless, and a waste of time. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the exact opposite of every religion in the world. It is utterly unique in this way. Completely unique. Somebody says to you, all religions are the same. You say, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not. It's completely not the same. 
Here's what I really want to talk about this morning. You can really live. It says we can be born again. We can have a new nature, a totally new nature. How? How can I do that? I want that. It interests me. Very interested in living, being born again, really living. It says, well, you believe in Jesus Christ. Now, here's a problem, everybody. A big problem, actually. I've been believing in Jesus Christ a long time, like for decades. And I know other people that have been believing in Jesus Christ for a long time, like for decades. And uh, I know them, and they don't seem like they're born again to me. Do you know what I'm saying? I look at myself in my own life, and I look for all these decades that I've been in church, and I've been hearing about God's word, all this stuff, and I think to myself, if I'm a totally brand new person, I'm 10 feet tall. What am I missing here? There's a disconnect somewhere here. And I think my suggestion to you today is I think there's a, a misunderstanding about between kind of popular opinion about what it means to believe in Jesus, popular church opinion, even popular church teaching about what it means to believe in Jesus Christ and what the Bible says it means to believe in Jesus Christ. Because in the Bible, it means that you believe for everything that Jesus Christ really stands for. You believe the entirety, like the whole, the whole enchilada, right? Of what you, not just, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, poof, you're born again. Doesn't work that way. And I think that is why there's this major disconnect. And this is what I want to go through with you for a few moments this morning, okay? I have kept waiting all my life hearing about this born-again experience, about having a new nature, me not being the same person, and it's not happening to me. So I've thought to myself over the years, well, maybe I'll just fake it until I make it, right? I'll just fake it till I make it, and then one day I'll have that new nature. We're going to just really dial in this morning on what does it actually mean to believe in Jesus Christ, and we really need to pray. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray, then I want to show you a video clip, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help. Uh, you know we're talking about this really, really important chapter in the Bible, John chapter 3. Super important. It tells us in a very simple way how we can be born again. And yet, even though it's simple, because it's so against our human nature, it's hard to grasp. But Lord, I want to ask that you would be present with us that your presence would be here to give us understanding and revelation of this critical, critical point. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to watch a uh, video clip. It is a gross exaggeration of a few things. Maybe it happens some places in the world. It probably does happen in some places in the world, but it's a gross exaggeration. I do not want to upset you, but I think we can find it useful. It's a person who is going through a born-again experience, so to speak. They're getting saved, all right? And there are a few things I want to uh, say about this because uh, I think we'll find it, again, I think we'll find it helpful. Daniel Day-Lewis actually won, I believe, an Oscar and an Academy Award for this piece. And when they chose to show, when you know how they do, at, when they say, this person's up for an Academy Award or whatever, an Oscar, and they show a clip of the movie that they were in, this is the clip of a two-and-a-half-hour movie that they chose to show. Let's roll the tape, and then let's talk about this. If anybody would like to have a born-again experience like that after the service, uh, see me behind the curtain. Uh, well, we will waterboard you. It's uh, good. Uh, there's a couple things that I noticed that you have to do. You have to do from that clip right there. First of all, you have to pursue God. 
You have to be. Who's looking here to get saved? Well, I am. I'm pursuing, right? Second thing, you obviously have to embarrass yourself. You have to embarrass yourself. And the third thing is, you have to, notice this, you have to promise never to backslide. Did you notice that? Did you, did you hear him say that in there? Do you promise never to backslide again? Yes, I do. I will never backslide again. And then finally, the fourth thing you have to do, take a couple shots to the face, which is... <clears throat> wonderful thing to do. All right. So I want to make one point today and then three things that maybe will help us to understand this because this is difficult to understand. And the only reason it's difficult to understand is it's, it's so against our human nature. So please write this down. I believe Jesus will never trust me. I believe Jesus. Now that's a very odd thing to say, isn't it? Tell me one thing you know about Jesus. Well, I'll tell you one thing I know. He never trusted anybody. That seems strange. Jesus. Oh, yes. He loved, loved people, encouraged people. But gosh, he never trusted a soul. That's an odd thing to say. But let's read it. You have, what you have to know is John chapter 3. This incredible chapter in the Bible about life being born again. It begins at the end of chapter 2. Because the beginning of chapter 3 is now, so it's a connecting. So everything that we look at in John 3, we have to view through the lens of the end of chapter 2 because it sets it. So let's look at it. It's there uh, on your outline. And it says this at the end. Let's pick it up at verse 24, John 2, 24. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. Not just those standing in front of him. He knew all men, all humanity. He did not need man's testimony about man because he knew what was in a man. What was in a man? Jesus Christ didn't trust any man. So when this guy up here says, I promise I'll never backslide again, Jesus says, thank you. I know I can't trust you. Isn't this so true, everybody? Isn't it very true? We attempt to make promises to God. God, I promise. Right? So we bargain. God, if you'll just get me out of this terrible situation I'm in, I promise. <laughs> Never again. I'm like, all yours. I'm all in. The rest of my life, take me, God. I'm if you'll just get me out of the situation I'm in. God, if you'll just heal my friend or my loved one or my child, if you'll hear my, heal my child, I promise. Whoa, the rest of my life is all, you're my Lord, you're my everything, I'll give you everything. If you'll just get me this job, if you'll just get me this spouse, if you'll just get me X, Y, and Z, I promise I will do this. Here's the thing, the old nature mistakenly thinks it always has something to bargain with. God, give me this, I promise I'll do this. I have something to give God. And God will give me something back. And the old nature mistakenly thinks it has something to bargain with. Someone once said this, everybody. All it takes to be born again is to have nothing. But so few people have it. All it takes to be born again is to have nothing. But so few people have it. Now, this would seem very odd, wouldn't it? If you are at a in the old days, a Billy Graham crusade, or if you're at an altar call or a salvation or a situation like this or whatever, you have somebody come up and, 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 and they're going to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you've got a preacher who's saying, 
things, you know, whatever that you might say to somebody. So you'd say to them, you know, do you promise to leave your life of sin? You promise, and that person says, no, I don't. Can Jesus always trust you? There's no way he can trust me. Are you going to follow everything in this book and never backslide? There is absolutely no way I'm going to follow everything in that book. Ever. And then God wraps his arms around you and says, welcome to the born again family. See, that's weird. That's weird. This is what Jesus is talking about, though. Very much so. Write this one down, okay? So now Jesus helps us, everybody. He helps us. He tries to fill in the pieces for us. Once he says this thing about not trusting anybody, so then he tries to give some description to it. It says, being born again is self-distrust. Being born again is self-distrust. Anybody seeing that TV show 24? It's no longer on anymore, but some of you have seen it. Okay. So uh, my son started watching it, and so my wife and I were just the rerun things. And here's what I've noticed. It's about this guy, Jack Bauer. He's a super-duper agent who fights everything and never dies. Right? <laughs> it's incredible how this guy can live through everything, poisoned, whatever. But at every big moment in the show, when there's a real big moment, like when he's talking to someone where he has to, either it's the president or somebody who's a victim or somebody's trying to get information He'll say to them, they're like, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z or tell you X, Y, and Z. And he'll say, you can trust me. I give you my word. Or when he needs something from somebody, like he really needs it, he'll say, give me your word. Like he needed his family protected. He's, give me your word. You're going to do this. And, we t- and that's a, it's a big moment. Always in that show, I noticed it was a, it was a big crowning moment. Oh, this is big. This is big. And we transfer that same thinking, that same emotion, that same inspiration. And we think that somehow that makes sense in our relationship with God. So we say, okay, God, this is a big moment. I've got to be born again. I give you my word. I have something to offer you. My word. I will never turn back on you. I'll never do it. And yet God says, I know I can't trust you. And where we've got to get to is where Jesus is. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. We've got to get to where Jesus is and say, you know what? You're right, Jesus. I understand why you don't trust me. I don't trust myself for my salvation. See, the interesting thing is that God in this is saying, I'm completely taking salvation out of your hands. I don't trust you to save yourself. Does that make sense? I don't trust you to save yourself. So I'm going to do 100%, not 99%. I'm going to do 100% of it for you. This is the problem with religion, everybody. This is the exact problem with religion because religion is all about self-trust. I trust in myself. To believe in Jesus Christ means the exact opposite of religion. The, the belief in Jesus, the belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the, it's not like a little bit different than religion. It's the 100% opposite. It's the 100% opposite of religion. Right? So in religion, religion, as I already said in the beginning, is humanity seeking after God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is God seeking after us. Nobody would have thought that until Jesus talked about this. Nobody. We're all scratching and clawing our way to God. I was in Mexico City about 20-some years ago. 
And I watched as people, pilgrims, would crawl on their hands and knees, bare knees, bare knees, cutting their knees and their hands, bleeding. And they would do that for miles to get to church, scratching their way to God. That's religion. Christianity is, is God is pursuing me. Here's the next thing. It's really important. Religion, all religion, is a set of teachings or rules that when followed bring you closer to God. I do this, I get closer to God. Judaism's Ten Commandments. Islam's Five Pillars. Buddhism's Eightfold Path. What are they? If I do these things that every religion in the world talks about, I get closer to God. And it all represents self-trust. Have you ever wondered to yourself, why did Jesus Christ wait so long to come into this world? So, Adam and Eve, we have the entire debacle of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, I want to be like God, eating of the fruit, centers the world, and just all hell breaks loose, doesn't it? Right? It's terrible. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, why didn't Jesus just show up in Genesis chapter 4? I mean, did it have to get that bad? I mean, why, why wait the thousands of years? I've thought this so many times. Why not just come right away? And avoid all of this mess. Why, why, why do you think he's waiting? You know why? Because he's trying to make the most important point in the entire universe. And the most important point is this, is we will always rely on ourselves. We are given over to self-trust. We are self-righteous. We think we can do it. We think there's a piece of us that has something to bargain with God because that makes sense to us as human beings. I will be like God. That makes sense to us. And so Jesus is trying to make a point, the most important point ever. I want to read to you something in Deuteronomy 28. This is absolutely there's not a single person here that would not take this deal that I'm getting ready to say that God has offered. God has already offered. He's put it on the table. The deal I want to talk about is you winning the lottery every single day for the rest of your life, right? That's Deuteronomy chapter 28. Notice what this says. This is religion and self-trust at its finest. Jesus says, God says, Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully, fo carefully follow all of his commands, I give you today, the Lord God is going to set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings are going to come upon you and accompany you if, if you obey, obey the Lord your God. You're going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. You know what that's saying? Like, you can't go anywhere that you're not going to be blessed. That's all that's saying. You can't get away from God's blessing. All right, that's what's in front of you. The fruit of your womb is going to be blessed. The crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You're going to be blessed when you come in. You're going to be blessed when you go out, like coming and going, man. I just, I'm, just, I'm just overflowing with blessings. Anything you've ever wanted in life, you've got it. You're overflowing with this. The Lord's going to grant that your enemies who rise up against you, bam, they're going to be defeated. It's a beautiful thing. They're going to come at you in one direction. They're going to flee in seven. We all want that. The Lord's going to send a blessing on your barns. And on everything that you put your hand to. Can you imagine that, guys? Every single thing, whether it's in your home or at work, just five stars. Everything is awesome. The Lord's going to establish you as a holy people, as he promised on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, then all of the people on earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you not just prosperity, everybody, but abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb and the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground. The Lord is going to open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on the land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. You're going to lend to many nations, but borrow from none. Ooh, 
that kind of hits home right now, does it, in the United States of America. The Lord will make you the head. Oh, that's what I want to be, the head, and not the tail. Never want to be the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God, I'm going to give you this day and carefully follow them. You're always going to be on top. You're never going to be at You are never going to lose another game in the rest of your life. Whoever you want as a spouse, you got them. And they're going to do everything you want them to do. I mean, this is like... You're going to be healthy, wealthy, wise, famous, everything you can imagine. It is at your fingertips. I'm going to bless you with this if you'll carefully follow all of these commands. Verse 14, do not turn aside from these commands I give you today. To the right, to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, verse 15, if you do not obey the Lord your God and not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees, I'm giving today all of these curses, all the exact opposite is going to come upon you today. You are going to live like kings and queens. You will win the lottery every day, every day for the rest of your life. Tell me who is not going to take this deal? Every single one of us is going to take this deal. The stakes are so high and so incredible. We would take this deal. You know why we tell our kids, right? We tell our kids, you can be anything you want to be. Right? Be anything. You can do anything you want to do. Be anything you want to be. Biggest lie. Biggest lie. I don't care how hard I try, I will never play in the NBA. I don't care if I only thing I did was practice all day long and train and had the best coaches. I would never, ever play to my great pain, never play in the NBA. Can't do it because I can't try hard enough. But we tell our kids, you try hard enough, you can do it. And so we see these promises here. Oh, man, abundant riches. I'm going to do it, holy people. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, we have all these stress balls and we've got to use them for some reason. So let's see if we can't make sense of this. Brian's going to come up, help us out. Somebody's going to set that basketball hoop back there in the right way. And uh, yes, we have a good man right there. So uh, he makes a shot, all right? He makes a shot. Then he gets all of these riches. He gets all of this honor. He gets all of this glory. All you got to do is hit it. Go ahead, man. Have at it. All right. Almost. Very close. Very close. Very close. Okay, okay, keep going. Just load it up, man. I mean, the more times you try, the more times you try, the better you're going to do, man. You get lots of opportunities every day. Look, look, hit, just hit one. Just hit one. Just hit one. Okay, now just hit one, please, so we can try harder. Try harder. Tell him to try harder. He's not trying hard enough. You can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. Try harder. Anything you want, try harder. Come on. Come on, man. Just make one. Make one. Come on. Can you do this? Can you do this at all? He's getting tough. All right. All right. Let's pretend that he made one. Let's pretend that he made one. Almost. Hey, here's the thing, everybody. We're sitting here in this nice situation. There's no wind that's blowing. Everything is static. Everything is calm, all right? But the deal is, is we live in a real world that's very fluid. Everything changes all the time, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So... You can, you can do the right thing. I mean, some of us find it easier to be, follow the commands of God when we're in church, right? But we don't live in church, do we, right? So we get outside of church and stuff happens. So he's got to be able, Brian's got to be able to hit it when a hurricane, when a tornado is coming. Like, what's a tornado? Like when Brian's at the beach. Tornado. Yeah. Tornado. And a girl walks by, and she doesn't have much on. 
and he can't think an inappropriate thought, can you hit the shot? There's no way. It's not <laughs> go ahead. You got a tornado. Go ahead. Okay. Now, 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 notice that. Don't need to forget it. Forget it. That was 10 feet off to the side. Could he hit every shot in a tornado going off in this room? He didn't have a chance, and you know where. Does he? Right? Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Tie it up. What do we learn from that little exercise? We can try as hard as we want. We're still going to fall short. We are not spiritually dead because of sin, everybody. We are spiritually dead because of self-trust. Self-trust is the mother of all sins. Remember how Jesus is Nicodemus like, well, I got to go back to my mom and start this whole thing over again? Yes, you do. Not literally, okay? But you have to start over again with the mother of all sins. And the mother of all sins is self-trust. Mother of all sins is not me lying or me breaking the Sabbath or me breaking any of the Ten Commandments or me eating a piece of fruit. The mother of it all is self-trust that thinks that I have something to bargain with God. Now, write this one in. Being born again is a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. So in verses 5 through 8, everybody, in verses 5 through 8, Jesus begins to say in John chapter 3, he says, look, Nicodemus can't quite figure that out. Jesus says, look, Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. Like when you watch a movie and they want to have a lot of mystery to the scene, what do they do? They have the wind howling in the background, right? Right? Shake your head. At least I know that you're with me. Yes. Some of you watch movies. Yes. It's, so it's howling in the background. It's a mysterious scene and the wind is howling. And so Jesus is like, it's howling. And maybe that night when he's talking to Nicodemus, maybe the wind is howling outside. He's like, Nicodemus, it's like the wind. It's like mysterious. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. I noticed four reactions when you ask somebody, are you a Christian? I've noticed four very popular, common reactions. Ask somebody, the first reaction is very indignant and very arrogant. Are you a Christian? What do you mean am I? Of course I'm a Christian. If you were a Christian, you'd see that I was a Christian. You're not a Christian. It's very arrogant. How dare you? I've, I've seen that happen many times. Everybody can see I'm a Christian. I'm glowing with the glory of God. You can't, right? It's very arrogant. It's very self-righteous. And we hate that. And we're like, ah, you know, so it's wrong. It's wrong. The second one is extraordinarily humble. It's like, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a Christian. And it's humble. And so it's palatable it's easier to take but it's it's wrong it's as wrong as the first one the third one is no i'm not a christian how dare you i don't want to be a christian and the fourth one is this i am but it's mysterious to me as to why i i don't understand it i did nothing i did nothing i offered nothing he saved my soul he came into my life i'm I'm not even the same. I've been born again. I, I don't understand why. Some of you are familiar with AA and the 12-step programs. Let me tell you something. Years ago when I saw that, and I want to tell you straight up, uh, that 12-step, particularly the very beginning of the 12-step, is about the closest thing that you'll find in the world to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm John. I'm an alcoholic. Next step. Now, this doesn't make sense to me. Right? You tell an alcoholic this. Alcoholic says this, right? I am powerless to change. 
Well, in my natural thinking, I'm thinking, oh, man, you're just giving somebody a green light to drink like a fish. I, am pow- I can do nothing about this. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't make sense to my human old nature at all. Not at all. Because I think if I stand here, see, I wouldn't have done this 15 years ago because I'd be afraid everybody would listen to me and we would all just run out of here and live debauched lifestyles. But I'm going to tell you what was never said to me in all my life about what it means to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say to God, I am powerless. I am not promising you anything. I can promise you nothing. Don't trust me. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm going to stop sinning and never backslide. I'm saying you can't trust me. This is going to have to be all about you, Jesus. I'm not trusting in me at all to live the life I'm supposed to live. I'm trusting that you lived the life that I was supposed to live and I'm riding 100% on your coattails. The only person I trust is you. The only person I trust is you. Let me tell you something that's really phenomenal. I didn't understand this about 10 years ago, and now I still struggle with it. I still struggle. I'm still trying to get it. But when I do, when I do understand it, you know what the wackiest thing is? I no longer feel like I have to try to obey God or be obedient. A mysterious force enters into my life, and now I don't have to do anything. I begin just to want to serve God. I'm carried along by the wind of the Holy Spirit, not by my human effort, not by my human effort whatsoever. It is a mystery to be born again. Last point I want to say, and we're done. Being born again is living in sin. It's not the removal of sin. It's not about you being morally reformed. Some of us are here this morning. We think, okay, I'm going to live. I'm going to really live. I'm going to live. I'm going to be born again. I just got to get myself away from sin. I got I to gotta cut myself off from me doing sin or anybody who might contaminate me because they're sinners. Anybody remember that movie, The Bubble Boy? The Bubble Boy, the Bubble Boy movie, right? So you had this old boy and he had, you know, he, he had all kinds of, his immune system was down and so he couldn't be around anybody who'd get sick so he lived in a bubble. This is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the original Bubble Boy. Because what the Pharisees did is they were sure, very sure, they tried very hard every day to stay away from sin. And not only that, they'd stay away from you. They're staying away from you because you, with your sin, might contaminate them. They lived in a bubble. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you're dead as a doornail. And he's like, what are you talking about? I am the bubble boy. There is no way that I can be dead. If anybody's alive, it's me. I'm Nicodemus. I'm the, the teacher of the law of Israel. I know God's law. I keep God's law. I must be alive. He says, you're dead. You're dead because it's all about your human effort. We think that we're going to stop sinning. It's going to make us live again. Forget trying to stop sin. Forget it. When you stop trying, it's when the Holy Spirit enters your life and does all the try for you. That's what being born again is really all about. So he tells him this story, Numbers chapter 20. He says, Nicodemus, do you remember the story of Numbers chapter 21? Nicodemus says, sure, because he knows everything in the Bible. He says, in the story of Numbers chapter 21, what did happen? Okay, here's what happens. God sets Israel free from horrific slavery. Look, we, we don't have an understanding of how brutal it was. Remember the beginning when I told you that God is a God of love? Well, 
today we're like, oh man, we can't torture, we can't waterboard people. You know what people would have said back then? Why not? Why not? Incredible brutality. And God sets them free from brutality that we, if we saw, would not even be able to emotionally survive it. Unbelievable. Their women were raped all the time. Their children were murdered all the time. Their men were beaten, humiliated all the time. That is horrific slavery. And God comes in and he sets them free. He rescues them that. Now, I have to do a sidebar. I'm sorry, but I have to do this. Because we've got stuff going on in, in this city right now. We're getting ready for the inauguration. There's been a big brouhaha because we had somebody praying the benediction, and now we've removed him from the benediction. And I was channel surfing the other night. I've never seen this guy before. He did an excellent job. His name was Lawrence O'Donnell, and he was just hammering away at the Bible. And I want to say, just out of respect, he brings up some very good arguments, and he was very persuasive. And here is his points. He said, having the Bible at the inauguration is absurd. It's one of the most absurd things that we do as a country, and we need to stop. And the reason we need to stop is because nobody believes in the Bible. Is nobody believes in the Bible because who actually follows the Bible? Nobody does. Nobody follows the Bible. Because the Bible says if you break the Sabbath, he says this. He says you get burned to the stake. Anybody burning somebody at the stake for breaking the Sabbath? If you have an affair, you get burned to the stake. Nobody's doing that. And so he just really rants, and, and he does a great job, actually, really, does a great job. I'm actually thinking about showing portions of it next week in church here and laying it out because we need to think about that. What does that mean? That's the exact reason why I do believe in the Bible. That's why I believe in the Bible. Because God tells me in the Bible, I can't do all those things. I can't live up to the obedience and the rules of a holy God. And so we're told in the book of Jeremiah, God says, I'm going to give you a new covenant. What Lawrence O'Donnell doesn't understand is that covenant, God said, I put it up for you to see that self-trust won't work. Now we're done with that, and here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the whole reason why, and God told me he was going to do that. So I do believe in the Bible. No, I can't live up to that. No, I can't live up to that standard. No, I can't live a holy life. I can't do it. It's why I do believe in the Bible. He said something else, and we can have a longer discussion, and we will about this later, but he said something else that really got me, and since we're on this issue of Israel being delivered from slavery, I have to bring it up here. The first lady, Michelle Obama, says, it is ridiculous that she stands there holding a the Bible, the daughter of slaves, in which a Bible, he says, condemns homosexuality all over the place and can't find one moment of its time to condemn slavery. Now, everybody, there's a long conversation needed about this, so I hope that you'll trust me. I'm just going to throw a few things out there, but we will talk more. There are two major events in the Bible, two major events. Creation is number one. The Exodus is number two. Creation, once we know God's created, then we move to the Exodus, and the entire rest of the Bible is all about the Exodus. What is the Exodus? How could you miss it? The Exodus is God saying, unless... You free these people from slavery, I will blow your entire nation up. That's how disgusted I am with slavery. I will kill every firstborn male in your country unless you stop enslaving these people. Do you think God's against slavery? I think he's actually ticked off. How do you miss the most major event in the entire scriptures? 
Let these people go. God hates slavery. And it is why in Rome, a nation that had more slaves than citizens, why the Roman slaves found great inspiration in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and why American slaves found great inspiration in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just think we need to set the record straight. Major event in the Bible can't be missed. Major event. God says, I will blow your nation up unless you stop enslaving these people. I think God is incredibly against slavery. That's just a thought I had about that. Okay. Let's, I'm almost done, I promise. I just want to tie a loose end up on the, the serpent. So what happens is, is God frees them from slavery, and then God provides for them. He loves them. He gives them bread. He gives them water in the desert. He takes them to the desert to love them and to comfort them and to heal them because they've been through something extremely horrific. They comforts them during the day by providing shade for them out in the hot desert, and at night they're cold, so he comforts them with some warmth. And then miracle after miracle after miracle, he does all these things for them. And you know what they say? Because they're so ingrained in them for self-trust, they say it's not enough. Your miracles aren't enough. Your blessings aren't enough. Because somebody who lives for self-trust, it's never enough. It's like a kid opening Christmas gifts. You know, Christmas morning, you give them everything they want. And they're like, is that it? Is that all you got? Because the more you give, the more it just feeds this thing inside. And God gives them all of this stuff. And they say, it's not enough. Look, if you're living for self-righteousness and self-trust, if that's where you are and you're not in the gospel of Christ, your spouse will never be enough, your job will never be enough, your money will be enough, nothing will never be enough. But when you live in the gospel, you'll find that you'll have more than enough. And so they complain. And so God says, I'm sending fiery serpents amongst them. So God sends these serpents to send a message to them. And they're poisonous serpents. They bite people. And they, they're dying. These excruciating death. They're like so, terrible. And they cry out to Moses, oh, Moses, help us. And Moses cries out to God. And God says, okay, I have an answer. Now listen, I have just one question, one question before you think about this. If the problem is the serpents biting you, what do you think the solution should be? Anybody? Yell it out. What would the solution be? Get rid of the serpents. And God says, you know what? Let's add another serpent to the list. Make another serpent, a bronze one. Put it up on a pole and tell everybody, if you are sick and dying, all you got to do is look at the serpent. What's the serpent represent? Genesis chapter 3. What does it represent? Genesis chapter 3, self-trust. I will be God. I want you to look at what happens when you try to do it your way. When you think you can rely on your own righteousness and self-trust, you're going to die. It's going to poison your life. Do not go the route of religion. Choose the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up on a pole and everybody who looks at me. It's a great story about Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers to ever live. When he was a teenager, he was trying desperately to live a holy life, and he was miserable, miserable. And one night he walks into a church, and the preacher preaches on Isaiah, and then all it says is, look to God, look to God, look to God. And he says, oh my gosh, all of my trying is in vain. And he looked to God and said, God, it's all you. I can't do any of this. And it was birthed in him. Let me conclude by saying this. You, you, you'll see the Ezekiel passage. I don't have time to read it to you, okay, because I know you want to go. The Ezekiel passage says this, that God will give us a new heart. He'll take a heart of stone away from us, a heart that's rigid. I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I'm going to be holy. He's going to take that heart of stone away. He's going to give us a heart of flesh. And he says, then notice the two words underlined on your outline there. He's going to move you. He's going to move you. All my life I've been trying to move myself towards holiness, and it didn't work. And finally I said, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. Sin is not the problem. 
My self-righteousness is the problem. And though I would have thought that immediately I would start sinning all over the place like crazy, something came inside of me, a mysterious force, and I just, I just began to live a life for God. And I wasn't trying anymore. I was trying not at all. Not at all. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, truly, I'm finishing here. Some of you understand that this morning. And some of us, this is very hard to understand. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Man, this makes no sense to me. I completely understand that. I'm still trying to grasp it myself. For those of you who understand it, please, don't just walk out that door. You have an opportunity, if you understood what the gospel is, to sit right there in your seat. We're not having a concluding song. And to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and to really believe on Jesus and be born again. Don't miss that moment. Our prayer team's over here. You want somebody to pray with you? They'll pray with you. For those of you who you're still wrestling with it, like I have for so many years, keep, keep it up. Keep thinking. Come back next week. We're going to continue the story of what Jesus is telling to help us understand what it means. But look, I know what it is to live in the old nature, and I know what it is to live in the new nature. And I'm telling you, you want to live in the new nature. It is such a freeing, fabulous experience. I don't worry about God's judgment anymore on my sin because I know it's all on him. I don't worry about anybody else's sin either. People who are self-righteous are always worried about other people sinning because they're not looking at Jesus, the snake on the cross. Their eyes on everybody else. If you'd stop doing this, if you'd stop doing that, that's a terrible way to live. You see, find anybody who's consumed with somebody else's sin, they're not born again. Period. That's a strong statement. They're not born again. You can be born again. You just have to have nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God. Your word is powerful. It's awesome. It's incredible. Even though it, it's against our human nature, it is so true. It's so right. God, I pray that many of us in this room, that we would be able to understand what it really means to believe in Jesus Christ and to just drop all of our effort and, and to really be flooded with your spirit and to be born again. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.